The floor is yours. Thank you. So, well, first off, welcome back to Cine Talk with Kevin and Sarah. Hi, I'm that's Kevin. Kevin. <laughs> that's Sarah. Yes. Um, so, we haven't recorded a new episode since about middle of 2018. 2019. 2019, excuse I, me. I remember the last episode we did. What was it? It was a quadruple episode. We did four movies in one. Oh, that's right. Uh, I know one of them was uh, Pet Cemetery. The new one? Yes. Mm, okay. Well, anyways, this is more of a reboot, so we're starting from like episode one slash zero kind of thing. Yeah, this is like a. I mean, it's episode. It's zero point five. Let's call it episode point five. Sure. Because we're gonna go through the format, and we're gonna take your feedback, listeners, dear listeners. And we're going to go from there. Yeah. Because you guys are what matters to us. Yes. Exactly. Anyways. So, we were talking about bringing this back around, start, or middle of the pandemic, I guess? Yeah, like uh, after, after... Middle the, to present, I guess. After could... the first few weeks of the pandemic, we didn't really know what to do. So, we decided to possibly look into bringing it back. Well, I guess we could just probably talk about why it ended in the first place. I yeah. think we just, life is hard. <laughs> yeah. Um, and we were, like, super busy with work. Yeah, at the time, we were both working full-time. I was a few months into my new position because, like, uh, that was, it was my first full-time job, basically. Yeah, and you were commuting into the city every day, and it was just, it was long. Yeah, it was a long commute in and a long commute out. And that combined with... Just work itself made me extremely tired. And it was really hard to keep up with doing a new movie every single week. Yeah. Now, that being said, we have a little bit more free reign to do this again because, well, because of the pandemic. Yeah. I don't want to be a bummer, but it is unfortunate that I did lose my job. That I, I want to be forthcoming with that. I did lose my job at the beginning of the pandemic. I'm okay, though. I'm fine. Don't worry about me. Yes, and then for a while I was working from home, and now I'm in the office four out of five days. So like this, this gives us a little bit more time. Just even because like, as people have gone back to work more, I still get home at a much more reasonable time, and you know everything's just it's a lot easier. And I'm it's just unfortunate to why it's a lot easier. Exactly, and also there is the elephant in the room about movies themselves uh movie theaters aren't doing so hot right now yeah i mean i can't blame them for not doing so hot no and the theaters around us are open at least the big one is but i don't know about you i have you know zero desire to go sit in a movie theater right now one for the obvious reason and two there's nothing playing yeah i'm more stuck on the obvious reason than the fact there's nothing playing and a lot of the things that we wanted to see this year, things that we probably would have covered, got pushed back to next year anyway. Yeah. A lot of them just got pushed back. And it's really unfortunate because it's going to hurt theaters in the ge- in general. Yeah. Well, I also think, too, that like um, because Christopher Nolan pushed so hard to have his have Tenet in the theaters and then every other distribution company was just like, oh shit, that did not work out well. I think they made like, I don't know, $9 million in box office. I'm going to look at how much they made in box office, but everything else you said is true. And like, you know, obviously with good reason, they pushed it back. I don't necessarily think it's out of, you know, keeping people safe so much as it they want their big revenue, but, you know, whatever to that. Um, that being said, we have... Just about all the streaming services. Um, and there's always an interesting rotation uh, in the mix. Not necessarily always good, but it's always interesting to say the least. I would just like to update the tenant numbers. Uh, worldwide box office, they made about over $300 million. However, um, Tenet made $3.4 million in the United States. Ding! Sorry, hi, this is Kevin. I'm editing the episode right now. I made a mistake with the tenant numbers. I said it only grossed $3.4 million in the United States. Uh, I got that wrong. I looked it up afterwards. 
they actually grossed $53.8 million in the United States. Pretty high number. Still kind of a bomb, considering the budget. Anyway, that's enough for me. Back to the episode. See you later. Bye. Well, there you go. Yeah. Also, $304 million. That's right, $341.6 million. Whatever. That number is a box office weekend number for most movies these days. It really is. And that's like the total gross. And plus... That's not even double the budget of the movie. Yeah. Which is really a, which is really telling if you really want to look at it that way. Which, like, you know, he could have just waited. He could have just did video on demand. Probably would have been fine. I think Mulan, when they when Disney distributed, made a shit ton of money. I couldn't tell you the numbers, but... I'm going to look at those numbers, too. But, assuredly, yes, they did. Disney, for all their faults, they did the right thing by pushing Mulan to... Disney Plus, even though renting it for $30 is a bit much, it's more accessible to those who want to get it for their family than paying at the theater right now. I was going to say, like, if you have a family of five, 30 bucks for a movie and you get to stay home, not the worst thing. It's not my ideal because I don't like the precedent it sets, but, like, I can understand why people did it. And it's going to be, like, quote-unquote free on Disney Plus at the beginning of December anyway, so exactly. it's not like you're missing out on it. To update on that as well, it's opening weekend, quote-unquote, from Disney Plus. They made $35.5 million. Well, there you go. Though that's a bad thing for the future of theaters, we're not going to go down that route right now. That's a big what-if scenario that I'm not interested in delving into, honestly. I don't want to entertain it because it's sad. It is sad. But that's neither here nor there. No. The point, the point is, with the way things are going right now, we're going to take a different approach in our movie selection. Instead of doing what's strictly new, we're just going to go off themes for the month. Yes. And uh, we'll give you a list of the themes soon, but for now, let's jump into this movie that we're doing for our first episode. And our... Uh, the theme being Halloween Hangover. Yeah, so we're we're uh, dropping this in November because we uh, had a lot going on, so we couldn't get it out in time for Halloween. We had a whole thing planned for like doing a bunch of scary movies and stuff like that, and it just it didn't work out. Didn't work out somehow. Despite nothing really being open, we had a lot to do. Yeah, it's a weird time. Yes, but I like the new format that we came up with, anyways. So I, it'll be fun. I did too. So we're going to drop that schedule soon, but for now, the movie we're doing today, we are going to talk about Candyman. 1992's Candyman, to be specific. Well, I mean, there's no other Candyman right now. Yeah, unfortunately, the remake, well, not remake, excuse me, the sequel, Candyman, was pushed back to next year as well. Which is really unfortunate because I was extremely excited for that movie this year. Same, but like, I'm glad I got pushed back instead of like video on demand because I really want to see that. In a, in a big screen. I do too. I need oh, I need a crowd. For, I need a crowd for that one. Yes. All right. So we're gonna talk about Candyman. Let's get into it. All right. Uh yeah. So before we get into like the general plot and you know, if you haven't watched the movie yet, spoiler alert. Also, it's like twenty eight years old now. So yes, it is. Get on that. It's not streaming anywhere, but it's... you can rent it on Amazon Prime if you really want to. Yeah, or I'm sure you could buy a DVD of it somewhere for very cheap at this or, point. Or Blu-ray. Or Blu-ray, whatever. Yeah. Um. So I first saw this movie back in early high school. I want to say it was freshman or sophomore year. So either uh, 2007 or 2008 with my friend Crystal. Um, and the movie fucked me up for a good, good weekend. It was super compelling, but like... I never, I didn't have the DVD of it, and, uh, you know, it, it wasn't playing on TV at that point, I don't think. That's, I don't remember. I mean, it's, I don't call it a cult classic, because it's not, like, very unknown, but it's not, it's, it was old for the time of 2008, and so, like, it wasn't, you weren't, you wouldn't catch it like you would catch Scream on, like, FX or something like that, basically. Exactly. Uh, Where did you watch it? At her house. Like, did she rent it or something? No, I think she had a DVD of it. Mm, okay. But, regardless. Um, I think we watched one of the sequels, too. It was unmemorable. Anyways, um, but you hadn't watched it until recently. Yeah, so I never watched the Candyman series as a kid. At least not in full. I, I believe I caught one of the sequels on TV halfway through as a kid. But I really don't remember. 
because I just don't remember all my memories from being a kid. So I don't remember the movie much. I did remember like two things: that Candyman was black, which is yeah, like which is rare. There's not really many black horror icons. Yeah. And two, they had a hook hand. Mm, yeah. Oh, and I also remember don't say his name in the mirror five times. Yes. But that's like kind of like a kid thing, like Bloody Mary, you know? Yeah. So I only really watched it recently. I want to say maybe last year? Or yeah. close to the end of last year because it was on Netflix. It yes, was... and I was very excited it was on Netflix and I told you we had to watch it. Exactly. Since it's one of my favorite movies. It's a great movie. Like, this is a great movie to start this whole journey again. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, we're going to talk about Candyman. Yeah. We're going to get into it. All right. All right. So, again, spoiler alert, we're going to go through like the very general premise of the movie, and then we'll get into like, the finer details of everything. Um, so, it's based in, I'm going to say it's present day for the time it was distributed. So, like early, not like very early 90s, maybe 91, 92, Chicago. It follows this woman, Helen Lyle, mm-hmm. and her um, thesis partner. Yeah. Are they thesis partners? Or are they working the same? Are they classmates? I think they're thesis partners. So thesis partners, Bernadette, um, and they are doing their thesis on urban legends and how they affect the community and why they come up and stuff like that. Did not know that could be a thesis project, but I mean, I guess when you're going for uh, higher degrees, it has to be kind of, it has to be very specialized, so. Yeah. And I honestly think it's a very interesting topic that I would like to read more about on my own time. Urban legends? Uh, urban legends and, like, the theory around it, like, why they, like, how urban legends are really just modern folklore stories and stuff like that. That's fair, yeah. Definitely. Um, so, Helen is, I believe, at the University of Chicago, Illinois. Or, you know, (laughs) reverse that. University of Illinois, Chicago, um, where her husband also teaches as a professor, also teaching, I don't know if it's a humanities thing or a, a folklore specific, like undergrad class, but he talks about uh, urban legends and stuff like that in in his class, which kind of annoys Helen because I think they were waiting. She wanted him to wait to uh, bring that topic up until the following semester and all that stuff, and it's like hinted at that maybe her husband Trevor is kind of cheating or at least like has like wandering eyes for a student. And so then Helen and Bernadette interview uh, some students on campus. And then as Helen is typing up or transcribing one of the interviews, uh, one of the um, cleaning ladies overhears one of the students talking about Candyman and how her friend, her friend knows someone who was killed by Candyman. Or was killed in a similar way, like Candyman. Right. Which then leads Helen and Bernadette to go to Cabrini Green, which is one of the big projects that was that used to be in uh, Chicago. A real project, by the way. Yes. Um, which then opens up, which that whole process then leads Helen to saying Candyman's name in the mirror five times. And then it just kind of spirals out from there where... Uh, because Helen called Candyman and because she was t- going around telling people in Cabrini Green that, you know, H- uh, Candyman isn't real. He's just an urban legend. He was losing his uh, power. His power because he existed only in the fear of the people who believed in him. Much like Freddy Krueger. Yes. Such a nice little, nice little touch That's, there. A nice little nod. Yes. Um... And I guess in a way that like he kind of exists like in the shadows, kind of like in the in the back of your mind, kind of like a bad dream or a nightmare. Right. Um. So then, Candyman is manifested into, I guess, a physical form, and goes around killing some people, which Helen gets uh, frame, I guess, framed for, blamed for, which then all culminates to her return to Cabrini Green. Saving uh, the baby of one of the people she interviewed, but in the process dying. It's basically, I mean, it's basically Candyman terrorizing her life, ruining her life. Basically. That's the whole movie, essentially. Yeah. And then she becomes, 
I guess technically his successor. Yes. But and, then the sequels are about him. But I don't know. I can't remember if they're like technically prequels or not, or if they're actually sequels. So from my understanding, they're sequels, but much like the uh, twenty eighteen Halloween is retconning all the other sequels, the new Candyman will be retconning all the Candyman sequels, and it's a direct sequel to Candyman. Mm, okay. Yes, but that's basically the nitty gritty of the prop. Let's get into it. Let's get into the movie. Let's get into some fun facts about it. Let's talk about it, right? Yeah. Alright, so first and foremost, I want to point out that uh, Candyman came out in 1992, and it was directed by Bernard Rose. Bernard Rose, I don't know much of his work off the top of my head, but he did great on this one. That's all I know. That's all that matters. That's all that matters in this instance. Yes. He did great in Candyman. Uh, looking at his uh, filmography, I haven't seen any of his movies. I, I have to be honest with you. But sometimes all you need is one. Right? Yeah. And it's based on a story by Clyde Barker. Clyde Barker, if you don't know, he is a writer. Yes. He's a director. Yes. He directed Hellraiser, which is based on his own short story called The Hellbound Heart. And then Candyman is based on a story that Clyde... Yeah, we just said this. Clyde Barker just... That, that he wrote a called The Forbidden, which is uh, based in, I believe, England? In Liverpool. And it's a good... Story about like uh, the British class system and stuff like that, but it was trans uh, transplanted onto Chicago, which has you know any like very strong lines between like uh, the rich and the poor and you know people who live in the projects versus people who live in gentrified condos and you know stuff that's present in any big city. Yeah, surprisingly, Candyman is a pretty relevant movie to even today oh yeah it's it's kind of like a cautionary tale so to speak yeah yeah but i think, think? Uh, no i was i was also thinking like because i hadn't one the last time we watched it together before we rewatched it again today um i wasn't really watching it for in like a analytical sense and this time it, this time watching it it I don't know if it's because, like, so much stuff has happened between when we watched it in 2019 and now in late 2020 that, like, it's just, like, I'm just more aware of these things. It's possible. It's, it's very possible. Um, but it's, it's, a, it's, it's a story about, like, the dangers of just kind of, of, like, white academia just putting everything into a vacuum for their own, like, for their own success and for them to pick apart without understanding or and they theorize and stuff like that but they don't live the experiences that give Candyman his his existence and his power exactly um let's get into it a little bit so a big inspiration of this movie is urban legends yeah Candyman the entire existence of Candyman is kind of a direct uh, analog to Bloody Mary. Yeah. The old urban... If you don't know, the old urban legend of Bloody Mary is you say her name three times in the mirror and she'll come and kill you. Sleepover stable. Exactly. Like a bunch of kids getting together like, ooh, you won't say it. <laughs> I mean, I, I've been there. I didn't, yeah. didn't want to say it. <laughs> no, I want to die. Exactly. And then inevitably someone... I don't know if it happened to you, but the one sleepover that I went to that we did Bloody Mary wouldn't probably do it. Someone stayed, like, out of the bathroom, and then, like, when we, we were about... I think when someone said it the third time, like, they, like, banged on the door, and we basically all pissed ourselves. Jeez, you have mean friends. I went to a white school. What do you want from me? That's fair. White people are mean. Get that through your head, people. I just want to point out something about the beginning of the movie. The movie starts with, like, uh, a really like, big panning shot over Chicago, mm. and in that shot, there's, like, also a shot of, like, a bunch of bees over Chicago. Now, Candyman's death involved bees, if I'm not mistaken. Yes. Uh, can you give a little more insight on that? How he died? Uh, well, basically, Candyman's origin was he was a son of a slave who was like very like artistically uh, gifted? gifted. So he made his living by doing portraits of people, and some wealthy white dude wanted a portrait of his family, and 
Candyman fell in love with the daughter, and the daughter got pregnant, and, you know, it's 18-whatever, so that shit ain't gonna fly. Yeah, <laughs> to say the least. Um, And so the white land... I don't think I have to say he's white, but the landowner, like, pays some, like, as Purcell calls it, hooligans... Or ruffians, I don't know, he's a weird British guy. Let's call them what they are, a bunch of racists. Uh, yeah. yeah. He paid a bunch of racists. To, um, attack Candyman. I wish they gave him an actual name, because I just feel bad calling him Candyman. I think they give him a name in the sequels, but I don't know. We're if not going to go now. Yeah, I don't think it's going to be canon. So we'll call him Candyman. Anyways. Um, and they cut off his arm, and they cut off with a hook, and that's why he uses it. I think they get like a bloody, like, like a rusty saw. Either way, they cut off his hand and then they like break open some beehives and put like the honeycomb on him so the bees all pack him and I guess he just dies from being stung a million times. Yes. Okay. So just to make sure, just to, to get this right, his hand was right, his right hand was cut off with a rusty saw and they smeared him with honey stolen from an apiary, attracting bees that stung him to death. There you go. I would think that losing your hand in the 1800s after the Civil War, that will probably kill you too. Because, you know, there's no cure for that. I mean, we don't have a cure for losing a hand now. Yeah, but we can handle it better now. We can handle it better than burning your arm to cauterize the wound. I don't... What are you talking about? I think there's a better chance of dying from a cut-off hand... In the oh, 1800s than now? Yes, Like, yes. with infection and yeah, yeah, poor yeah. medical practice? I thought you meant, like, they didn't have a way to solve for ha- being handless. I'm like, we don't really have one now. It's just called prosthesis. Yeah, they, they didn't have that then, that's for sure. I know. Anyways. So, yeah, that's what happened to Candyman. Yes. Now, the bees are a big part of this movie as they're, like, a kind of a warning sign. Yes, but also, like, it happened, like, the bees around, like, this, like the skyscrapers and stuff happens in the first like I don't know two minutes of the movie and then not talked about until like almost the second half second act of the movie so it's very confusing yeah they don't even mention like his origin until like 20-30 minutes into the movie now the bees over the city for me personally they just remind me and y'all my hip hop heads out there y'all probably gonna remember this uh if you guys remember the Wu-Tang Clan remember the video Triumph the swarm of killer bees attacking New York City. That's like my immediate like comparison point. The swarm, the swarm of bees may have something to do with this old dirty man. Yes, the the possibly old dirty, a member of the Wu Tang Clan. <laughs> I remember the end of that video because the moon is there and mm. they got the Wu Tang Clan bees going up into the sky onto the moon to form the Wu Tang Clan logo. I saw that video when I was very young. Sarah's here doing the W with her hand right now, left to right, left to right. I love the Wu-Tang Clan, but that's either here nor there. We're talking about Candyman right now. Right? Yeah. <laughs> quick sidebar. Is, are the bees ever referenced in that album? I never listened to it in full. Um, well, first of all, you should rectify that. It's a fantastic album. All right. One of the best of the 90s. Again, neither here nor there. Uh, no, they're not referenced. I don't think they reference Candyman on the album. No, no, no. Just bees. Yeah, they call it... Um, there's a part of a song where the Riz is like, Wu-Tang, Killer Bees. We on the swarm. Oh, Wu-Tang, Killer Bees. Now, that might that's probably not a reference to Candyman, but the one in the city is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But anyway, back to Candyman. Uh, I just want to point out something else here. Uh, the Candyman is played by, and I just want to say excellently played by, Tony Todd. Who does not appear until, I don't know, 40 minutes into the movie. Yeah, Tony Todd doesn't appear on screen as Candyman until about 45 minutes into the movie. And consider the runtime is 101 minutes, including credits, so... He's really not in the movie that much. No, I want to... You want to time it? Yeah, we should have done that. I I should have clocked how long, like, his total screen time. Uh, we can add it into the description, if anything. Eh, whatever. We'll clock it later. Yeah. The point is, it's similar to, uh... What's the name of the movie? Sounds of the Lambs. Oh, yeah. Yeah, as Hannibal Lecter is really barely in that movie. But that movie's longer, so it's a little more notable then. But he's on there for, what, like 20 minutes? Like Hannibal Lecter? Yeah. Yeah, like, he's in the movie for about 18 minutes, if I'm not mistaken. That's what I read. Yeah, but I'm saying, like, I, I don't know. I feel like that's, like, proportional to Candyman screen time. It is, but it feels a little different because, like, 
That movie's so much longer than this one. That's fair. Yeah. Like, Candyman is like a typical horror movie lens. Yeah. Solid 90-ish minutes. Yeah. Silence of Lambs is more of like a... uh, What's the term? Drama? It's a drama, but like... Thriller? Thriller, drama... uh, Like a more like... Like a a, a non... non Non-genre specific movie? The term I'm looking for is prestige. That's Uh, it. It's more prestige cinema, if you want to call it that. I mean... It got what's his face an Oscar. It did, Anthony Hopkins. Yes. Yes. What's his face? Yes. Is he still alive? Yes, he is. Okay. Yeah. Don't and... prematurely kill one of the British greats. He's British. Yeah. Okay, clearly I don't know anything about him. Anyway, back to the movie. Yes. Um. I wanted to point out something uh, we learn immediately in the movie. Uh, Heather's. No, not Heather. Sorry, excuse me. Helen's husband, Trevor. Ain't shit. He is a piece of shit. Yes. He is, like, immediately off the rip. You, you get, like, a, a weird feeling about this guy. Yeah. Because you see him just staring at his young student yes. with his wife in the room. Who uh, explains that she is an undergrad, so she is graciously maybe 18, 19. Yeah, 20 at the most at this point. I, mean, I think it's, uh, it's, well, it's winter already, so it's this fall semester. fall semester, yeah. yeah. Or, like, the late fall semester, well, probably early spring semester. Either way. Yeah, she's young. That's the point. Yeah. And she's played by a young actress whose name escapes me right now. But you can see that she's young. And Trevor is clearly an old man. Well, not an old man, but he's, like, I don't know. He's losing hair. He's old enough. He's, like, mid to late 30s at yeah. this point, which is gross. Also, fun fact, the actor that plays Trevor... His name escapes me right now. Xander. His name is Xander? Yes. The actor name is Xander? Yes. What's his last name? Xander Berkeley. Xander Berkeley. Thank you, Sarah. Xander Berkeley is also known as the stepfather in Terminator 2. Oh, yeah. Yes, he is. He's the stepfather in Terminator 2 who gets killed by the T-1000 with the blade in his mouth with the mouth. I was going to call him a xenomorph. Are you going to call the Terminator a xenomorph? <laughs> yeah. All right, why not? And we'll call the Xenomorph a Predator. Yes. And we'll call the Predator a Robocop. Yes. We're just mixing up the 80s here. <laughs> anyway, continue. Trevor is a bad person. Yeah. Um. So when Helen... Okay. One of the things is I noticed that's still just... I don't know if it's just the way people cast movies in like the late 80s, early 90s, but the... One of the students is telling the story of Candyman with, like, it involves, like, some, like, high school babysitting and her, this bad boy Billy comes over. Billy looks squarely 20 years old at the minimum. Yeah. Uh, I think that's still a thing now. It is, well, but I feel less like... Less so now, but it's still a thing. I feel like, it, I don't know, you can find more baby-faced people. You definitely can. But, like, he was, like, an old man. Well, not an old man, but, like, he's, I don't know, like, 20-something. He definitely was. He's not 15, is what I'm saying. He wasn't a baby in high school, that's for sure. That woman wasn't very young either, for what's worth. That's fair. Yeah, the the babysitter who was killed by Candyman. Yeah. To start the movie. I mean, again, I think the, the budget of this movie was, you know, 8 to $9 million. Really? That's it? Yeah. Oh, my goodness. So, you know, what you, you do with what you got. I mean... Even for inflation, it's still really small. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's like an indie movie. Well, then indie-ish movie. Yeah. Yeah. Um, this movie is kind of impressive off the jump with, like, the atmosphere they create. Mm-hmm. A lot of that is, it has to go, a lot of the credit for that has to go to the score, which is scored by, geez, where is his name? Philip Glass. Philip Glass, if you don't know, he's a big-time... Um, industry um, composer composer thank you the word escapes me i can just go through his compositions and you'll know a couple of them at the very least let's see let's go for film uh geez 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 geez. film scores so besides candy man he has done kundun by martin scorsese (laughs) marty kundun i liked it if you know you know uh, he has done The Illusionist. Oh. Yep. He has done Fantastic Four. 
They can't be all winners. Fantastic, if you know. Uh, he did. Oh, here's a classic one. He did the Thin Blue Line, which is a very important documentary film. Hmm. So he's been around for a while. The yeah. point. It's very like, like like um orchestrally gothic, like uh, operatic. Yes, operatic. That's the word I'm looking for. I get Phantom of the Opera vibes from it, even though I've never seen Phantom of the Opera. Um, it's just that's just like the vibe and tone and like setting I get from it. Also, in the beginning, there's a lot of like jump, like um, not jump cuts, but like uh, quick edit cuts. What are you called? You call them jump cuts. Yeah, jump cuts. Of, for the um, sake of argument, like for the sake of understanding. Yeah. Of um, it's like a second long. It's like of uh, of Helen looking like directly at the camera, but it's like in a different place in time. It's it's I think it's supposed to be set in like uh, the abandoned apartment at Green Green. Yes. But just, it's very jarring, and then with the music on top of that, it's just like... It, it, it adds a lot of terror to the scene. Yeah, it just, it just you know, makes you anxious. The, that's the thing about this movie. It's not extremely scary. No. This movie's not very scary as a whole. Um, what it is, though, it's very atmospheric. Yes. And while it is scary, there are... Well, okay, while it's not exactly scary, there are some jump scares in this movie... That really will catch you off guard. But that's because they're done in such a way that it's not anticipating. Yes. You know? Like, there's one scene in the middle of the movie when Candyman starts to appear to Helen. She's in her apartment and she's in her cabinet looking for something. And she just stands to the side. And all of a sudden, Candyman's claw... Hook. Ho- excuse me. His hook. Why did I say claw? I don't know. Ah, oh, jeez. His hook comes through the wall, pushes through... And there's no music attached to it, no jump scare, like stinger music that comes with it. It's just the claw, the, I call it a claw again. The hook comes through the wall, and it scared me, even though I've seen the movie before. And that's just like because, that's just really well done, if you ask me. I right. agree. Yeah. It's something out of the norm, especially for horror movies at the time. Like, before we were recording this, we were watching Friday the 13th Part 2. It's on in the background right now, it's paused. But. Every action with Jason, there's music attached to it. Like, cause you, so you know he's coming. Yeah. In this one, there's no music at all attached to it. Yeah, it's it's um, it's very different. Even just for, like, like genre-heavy movies in, in general. Like, every character has their own theme. And it's just, like, you know they're going to be there when something happens just based on the music cues and stuff like that. Exactly. And it's just, like... The, the music they use in the movie is very just, it's like in panning shots and stuff like that and like travel scenes, like going from one spot to the other. And it's really just to keep the, the atmosphere of the movie going. Exactly. It's just to keep that terror there. Yeah. And while this movie is not very scary, it is surprisingly gory at some scenes. Yes. It's, um, it's, it's one of those movies that like, you're not like scared because there's like a jump scare or something like that. It's it's the anticipation. It's like the dread of what's going to happen next. And on top of that, it's the sight of what did happen. Yes. Because what happens while this movie is not it's not scary, the graphic violence will cut will catch you off guard so much, and it's done in such an uncomfortable way mm. that you'll just like be skeeved out by it. You'll have a chill go up your spine. Yeah. Well, I think it's interesting though too because like. You don't, except for, no, I think there's no instance in which you actually see Candyman attacking someone. Like, like you don't see, like, his hook going into someone. I don't know if that's an edit to keep it R-rated or whatever, but, like, like I don't know if, if that's the reason why or if it's just, like, if it's intentional because, um, kind of like a dream and kind of like a boogeyman in the night, you, the, the scariest thing isn't their action, it's just their presence. Right. I mean, there is one scene where you do see Candyman straight up kill somebody. It's the, the psychiatrist, right? Yeah, but you don't see, like, like like you said, you don't see the hook go into him. You just see him appear after you see this man in pain. Well, I think, so I think it's very much, it's like a good contrast to like a slasher film. Like, we're watching Friday 13th and you just see, sorry, the car is driving by with, yeah. like, club music. Um, it's Wednesday. Hey, man, haven't been able to go to a club yet in yeah, a while. That's so fair. you gotta make a club in your life. Of course. Anyways. You were saying? 
So, like, you don't see, um, you see Jason, like, stab someone, or you see him choke someone with wire, or... You see the blade you see go the, into You see him. the gore of yeah. it. You see the stabbing happen. And I think, like, with, with Candyman, what makes it so good in any, mo- in any movie that uses, it's... Excuse me, I had to burp. It, <laughs> <laughs> it um... It, it makes it so much more worse because you're the one who has to fill in what's happening to the person. Exactly. And so you're going to automatically make it like a million times worse than what it could actually have been. You see, like you, feel, like you said, fill with your imagination. Yeah. So you see the psychiatrist get killed like, oh, is the hook going into his spine or is it going up his back? Yeah. Is it pulling out his back or it's going to go up to his neck? You don't know. Yeah. And you don't know if there's, like, a big gash there or not. Well, because, like, like uh, Candyman says, like, I'm going to split you from groin to gullet. Groin to gullet, which like, is a so, which is a terrifying thing to say. <laughs> that, and but, like, it, it's, it's visceral and visual without being specifics because, like, that's a large part of your body. So, like, how he does it is very just up to you. Yes. I want to touch on something else with Candyman. Mm. The fact that people in Cabrini Green believe in Candyman. And nobody else does. Mm. Like, why is it that people believe in him in this one place and they warn people that he is real, but they just don't listen to him? Why, why don't they listen to these people? Well, it, it's not just that he... Um, believe... It's not just that it could be Green Green that they believe in. Because remember, Helen's apartment used to be a housing project that converted and someone was murdered there, too. Right, yes. So I think it's it's just like a, a, a commentary on like the voicelessness of like of just you know straight up violence against people that you know doesn't matter seems like well it's like oh well you live in the project so you of course know, it's gonna be violent in the yeah projects. you're gonna die there anyways so yeah it's a commentary yeah it's just so. It's, it has such a feeling of dread to it mm. that, like, these people are warning other people and they're just not being heard. Yeah. I wonder what that's about. <laughs> but I think you get that feeling, too, with the way, um, like, when you're in the hallways of the One Tower for being Green, um, it's, like, just covering graffiti and it's, like, dark and kind of dirty. But when you go into one of the apartments that Anne-Marie lives in, one of the, um... One of the women who uh, Helen and Bernadette interview, like her apartment is like it's immaculate and it's like it's homey and you would you just you immediately feel comfortable there. Exactly in comparison to the hallways. So it's just like it's it's very much how like people are just you know viewed by how it's looking and not what's on the inside kind of thing, it, which is I guess maybe a little on the nose, but whatever. I mean it's on the nose, but it's important. Yeah. So if it's if it's important. Okay, if it's, if it's on the nose. That's fair. If you ask me, at least. Um, one gripe, though. Uh, in the scene where Helen visits Trevor at his class, his class ends with a bell. I don't know what college has a bell, but... Yeah, that's like a big thing in the 90s with, with colleges. Yeah. No college has a bell. You just leave. You know how many times people have just left during class? Like, students just getting up and walking out? I remember one time... I think it was in freshman or sophomore year, again, of college. Um, someone in one of my classes just, like, d- just didn't want to take the class anymore. And, like, instead of just waiting for the class to be over, just got up, packed up their stuff, and left. And my professor was just like, okay. I've done that a couple times. <laughs> not, but, like, not because I wanted to drop the class, but, like, I had to go do so. I had to do other stuff for other classes. <laughs> like, I would leave one class to go do work. For another class. Mm. It's just how it is sometimes. Poor time management. If you're young, learn from me. Manage your time better. If you're going to college, manage your time. It's the most important thing you can do. Yes. That's my public service announcement right there. Thank you. You're welcome. Anyway, continuing on with Candyman. uh, Let's talk about... uh, Let's see. Let's talk about some of the uh the terrorizing by Candyman to Helen. Like his general well his first real appearance in the movie. 
Oh, in the parking garage? Yes. Uh, Helen inadvertently summons Candyman because she doesn't believe in him by yeah. saying his name five times in the mirror. Towards, like, like, the beginning of the movie. Yeah, so Helen, Candyman, is just, like, a cautionary tale. Yeah. It's like the Boogeyman. Yeah, it's something you tell your kids to keep them from being a pain in the ass. I don't know. Exactly. Now, about 40 minutes, like I said, 45 minutes into this movie is when Candyman really appears. And the first thing you notice is that he is just, he has a terrifying presence about him. Yeah. It's the way he talks. It's the way he's dressed. And it's the fact that Tony Todd is a giant. Yeah, he's, what, almost seven feet tall, I think? Middle six feet. Yeah. At the very least. He's very imposing. Yeah. He has, like, a a presence about him. Like, it's the height combined with the deep voice Mm -hmm. and what he's saying, too. Yeah. One of the most striking lines in the movie, and he says it a couple times, is, be my victim. Yeah. It almost seems like a love thing. Yeah. It seems like a, I want you to be my victim so we can be together. Yeah. It's just so creepy. And once she sees him, once Helen sees Candyman, immediately she becomes, like, transfixed by him. Yeah. And it's really scary because her eyes go, like, from, like, awake to, like, dead. Not dead, but, like... It's like she's staring off in a middle distance kind of thing. Like, she's, like, in a trance, basically. She has, like, the thousand-yard stare yeah. at Candyman. But I think what makes Candyman so, like, just scary and, like, his presence just so formidable is because... Like he's not he doesn't he doesn't yell the things he says. He's not like screaming. He's just he's just talking. Yeah. And like his his voice and the things he's saying to you are just so like like encapsulating to you that like you are you just black out. Yeah, it's you can't help but be transfixed by what he's saying. Yeah. Even though he's saying that you not believing in me brought me here. It's your fault. And because because you made the people who are afraid of me initially no longer believe in me, specifically, I guess, like, the children. Yeah. Then I'm going to have to give them a reason to be afraid, so I'm going to, what do you say, spill the blood of the innocent? Spill the blood of the innocent is one thing he says. Uh, be my victim is, again, yeah. it's creepy. Uh, that he's the sweetest of the sweet mm. because he's the candy man. Yeah. There's a bunch of just off-putting things. Honestly, just the way, like, that one shot, it's, like, a, he's, like, way in the background, and so you get, like, the, like, the, um, the foreground, the middle ground, just, like, the, the, um, garage. And having walk into her car? Yeah, not even that, it's just, like, when, like, like, he hears her, he, when he, she hears him say her name, just the way he says it, the Helen, like, Helen. It, it's, like, almost a like a whisper or like something like like kind of like calling to your loved one or something like that it's not hey i'm trying to get your attention it's not loud or sharp or anything like that it's just drawn out and low and the weird sweetness to it yeah no pun intended there but it's also the way he's standing too yeah like he's just standing with his with his hands behind his back like head cocked up kind of like in a terrifying like presence like in, in a terrifying way and then you just see him pull his hands back and you see the one hand that's not there anymore yeah with a hook a bloody stump basically and also so i'll point out that tony todd has incredible drip in this movie <laughs> that jacket is incredible great costume designing right there mm. it's very iconic imagery yes um what else though there's so much in this movie so many little things. I know. Like, we could we could uh, touch on the fact that, like, not only is the gore really off-putting, but just some of the imagery in general. Like, there's a scene in which Helen is investigating a bathroom in Cabrini Green where, allegedly, Candyman cut off a, cut off a kid's dick while he was taking a piss. Oh, yeah. And it's like, the kid who told the story says, better off, it's like worse than death right there. Yeah, you're better off dead than... That. That, yeah. They found it floating in the toilet, they say. But while she's investigating it, you see the bathroom now. It's covered in graffiti. It says sweet of the sweet. Sweet to the sweet. Sweet to the sweet. Covered, like, written out in, for lack of a better term, it's written out in shit. Yeah. But then you see Helen opening up the stalls in the bathroom, and she sees the broken, dirty toilet. She opens the next stall. 
it's another broken dirty toilet and then the third stall is a toilet full of bees which i'm sorry like we're talking about it just kind of funny it sounds funny but it's really scary yeah and especially scary for me because uh fun fact about me i really don't like bees it's like bugs in general i don't like bugs i especially don't like bees though and it's not because i had a bad experience with a bee it's because i'm afraid to have a bad experience with a bee yeah you don't ever really want to get stung yeah i've never been stung by a bee and i don't know if i'm allergic to bees or not not a good way to find out. No, it's not. Um, I doubt it, but you never know, you know? Yeah, you never know. Yeah. But that imagery, coupled with, like, just the imagery of, like, the bees popping up from time to time. Mm. Also, the graffiti in Cabrini Green itself. Like, for instance, there's a a broken wall that Helen climbs through. Mm-hmm. And as the camera swings to the other side of the wall, you see her climbing through Candyman's mouth. Which is just, like, a weird... It's, like, a huge, like, like... Larger than life mural of him. Yeah, it's like with an open mouth, as if he's screaming. Yeah. And you can also see it's foreshadowing, too. Yeah. But it's really just like, oh, she's in the mouth of the madness. Yeah. Maybe that's on, maybe that's on the nose. Yeah. It I, worked. Yeah, I liked it. Um, and then she finds, like, uh, oh, speaking of urban legend, I did not pick this up as, like, a callback to that, but, uh, in that room, like, after Helen walks through the hole in the wall that looks like, that's, like, supposed to be Candyman's mouth, she finds candy in the, on the floor, but when she opens it, it's, um, the candy is, uh, wrapped around razor blades. Oh, my God. Which, uh... Oh, the old urban legend. Yeah, 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 exactly. God. That's never been true. No, it hasn't. But... It's much like, uh, people giving out drugs to your kids. That's my favorite one, especially, like... Like recently the ones with like the edibles like people were just like watch out people are going to give them like no they pay like $70 for them they're not giving them away they're not, they're not gonna give your kid a weed brownie those are hard to make and expensive to get yes your kid's fine just for all my people listening with kids they're not gonna give your kids drugs that's a pipe dream mm. <laughs> in all honesty yeah that's but, that's just coral uh coral pearl clutching it's white pearl clutching. Uh, yeah. Anyway, continuing on. Um, yeah. So. I want to touch on something again. Yeah. The fact that, like we mentioned before, Candyman ruins Helen's life, essentially. Yeah. Here's what happens to Helen after she says Candyman three times in the mirror. She meets Anne-Marie with her friend Bernadette. Then she meets Candyman. But, oh, sorry. Before she even meets Candyman, she gets assaulted by a gang... Like, beat up by a gang, by a leader who claims to be Candyman. I mean, he's got the long jacket and the hook and everything. He so. does, yeah. He looks scary. He looks like a tall guy with a big coat and a hook. And, I mean, he's a scary black guy to a fragile-ish white woman. Yeah. That's, like, the point, I suppose. But he gets arrested, and it puts Helen off guard. She thinks it's over, that Candyman isn't real. That, like, the urban legend stems from this this gang leader or whatever, or gang member. I don't know what he was. I forget. Hard to say. Either way, but, like, he, he went by Candyman, which then, like, like, as you're going through the movie, you realize that it's he's not the urban legend or the scary person. He just took it on to make himself seem scary. Exactly. So that gets Helen off her guard. Then she meets the real Candyman. And everything from there goes downhill. She she gets knocked out by him because of fear. She wakes up in Anne-Marie's apartment. She she grabs, like, a butcher's cleaver. Mm-hmm. But when she goes out, the, the apartment's covered in blood because there's a dead dog in the apartment. Rip. Yes, very sad. And then Anne-Marie's baby is gone. And her, uh... Like, the baby's, like, crib and, like, it's, his room is covered in blood. So, like, you don't know what happened. Yeah. And, like, she, Helen doesn't know what happened because she just woke up there. But Anne-Marie thinks that she killed or stole her baby. So she... I mean, that's a reasonable thing to think. Of course. Like, the baby's gone. Blood is there. Cleaver in hand. White woman that you don't know. Mm. It's like a two and two is four. Yeah. So she gets caught assaulting, or what it looks like, assaulting Anne-Marie by the police. I mean, she does cut her with a butcher knife. Yeah, it's more like self-defense. It's self-defense. Yeah, because Anne-Marie does attack her, which, understandable, again. Of course. 
So she gets attacked. She gets arrested. The people at the police station, the cops, I saw this and I was like, oh, they're treating her like immediate suspect. Mm-hmm. And I picked up like, oh, that's how people treat people of color. Mm. Well, that's how cops p- treat people of color. Yeah. As if they're guilty without being proven innocent. Yeah. So Helen gets locked up in the overnight cell. She tries to call Lyle. Trevor. Oh, jeez, Lyle. Throw last name to Lyle. Right. She, calls, she tries to call Trevor. He's not at the apartment because he's out with his side piece. And Helen turns to the uh, police officer who's like with her like, while she makes the call. And she goes, what time is it? And the police officer tells her it's 3 a.m. Yeah. Like, where the fuck's Trevor? Honestly. Um, but like rewinding a little bit, uh, I had taken a couple notes about after um, Helen and Bernadette go to Cabrini Green that they are and after they interview Anne Marie they're at dinner with I believe their advisor Purcell the weird British guy Purcell and uh Helen's husband Trevor Trevor what dishy name I know shout out to all my Trevors out there you're probably (laughs) all right though but so they're talking about um urban legends and like how Purcell's written a paper about it already and all this different stuff and there's Purcell asks Helen if she'd ever heard of the origin story about Candyman, about like him being a painter and all that stuff. And while he's giving that monologue about Candyman's origin, there's just a slow zoom onto Helen's face and her eyes look real glassy, like almost like she's in a trance. Mm-hmm. And it just reminded me, it's like very David Fincher, Twin Peaks kind of like shot. And it's just like, it's very riveting because like you just get. You can you can see even in just the story of Candyman, like Helen is just like transfixed by it. And it kind of they do that again when she sees trans, uh, Candyman. Yeah. Like it's like the same type of shot. Yeah. It's it's like hypnosis. It is hypnosis, actually. Yes, and on the set of the movie, the actress uh, playing Helen was actually hypnotized. For the effect. To get that, like, long, like, uh, like thousand-yard stare kind of thing. Yeah. She was cool with it at first, but then she they stopped doing it because it made her uncomfortable. Yeah. Shout out to Dead Meat for those fun facts. Shout out to James A. Janice. If you know, you know. Great YouTuber. Mm. But, yeah. So, moving on from that, Helen is released from prison, basically, well, from the county. Yeah. She goes back home, and she starts, like building her case against murder but against like the murder of uh or the kid the murder or kidnapping of uh emery's baby yeah at the same time though Candyman starts appearing to her in her apartment and bernadette shows up at the same time which then gets bernadette killed by Candyman. poor bernadette she didn't really deserve that no but then when she gets killed Obviously, Candyman's not there, so it looks like Helen did it. Well, I mean, Helen's also holding a knife because she was trying to defend herself from Candyman as if that was going to do something. Exactly. Um, she gets put in an institution. Yes. And Candyman shows up to her again. Yes. And so, like, even with, like, the the scene in Anne-Marie's apartment, like, the gore factor goes from 0 to 60 real fast in this movie. And it's just, like, every, the remaining, like, every, like, seven minutes, it's, like, another scene with, like and just like just just very off-putting imagery and stuff like that yeah it ramps up in like the latter half of the movie yeah as she's in the psych ward a month passes she's been sedated for a month and when she sees her doctor her doctor tries to tell her about this and she tries to prove candy man's existence by calling to him again in the mirror and as soon as she calls him he comes and kills the psych doctor fucks him up just absolutely like slashes through his back mm. And this is one of the most, it's creepy, but it's also unintentionally hilarious because you see Candyman jump out the window, like, backwards, except that you see, like, a big rope pulling him back. Yeah. It's like, uh, oh, they couldn't fix that in post. Or, like, they probably, like, ran out of money or time to reshoot it. Yeah, I mean, no movie's perfect. No, but it's just very funny because, like, like, 
Because, like, the initial action of it is, like, is from, uh, over, like, Helen's shoulder, so it's, like, from her perspective, and then the camera shifts to be more like a three-quarter shot, and that's when you see the... The rope the, is... The, yeah, the rope is... Pulling him back. And Tony Tyler's like, this very, like, intense, like, look on his face, and he's just going, like, whoop. Like, backwards, like, oh! Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's fine. Yeah. Like I said, no movie's perfect. It does not really detract from it, it's just, it's, it's actually, if anything, it gives you, like, a... Little Ten bit, second reprieve. It's like a little bit of appreciation. Like, hey, even though this is, it's a movie, but it's still pretty funny. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and then one of the sadder things that happened to Helen, besides all her friends dying and whatnot, uh, she goes back to her apartment and she finds... Not only does she find uh, the side woman there. Stacy. Stacy, thank you. The student Stacy. Uh... The apartment is painted in such an ugly pink now. It's like bubblegum pink. It's it's really ugly. And what does what does Helen say? I, I really hate the. I hate this color. Oh no! I think she she's like, she like very like stunned. I hate this color scheme. Yeah, and she throws a bucket of paint on the wall. Yeah, and she, like Stacy is just like like cowering in the corner, just like just can't even look at Helen. I mean, in her defense. If you saw, if you, if your lover was married to somebody who was accused of killing people, and by all accounts it looked like she killed people, and she in showed up, blood, yeah, and show, and she showed up at the apartment, yeah, I'd be a little scared too. Yeah, she's been institutionalized for like a month. Yeah, I get that. Yeah, it's terrifying. Yeah, it's still kind of like funny though. Yeah, and Trevor's such a piece of shit. Yeah, like he comes out in a robe, like, oh, did you make a boo boo again, baby? <laughs> fucking Trevor. Nightmares. And, like, basically, Helen is, like, punking him down. Like, oh, yeah, sure. Call them. Call the institution. But he doesn't, because he ain't shit. Yeah. Spineless Trevor. And then, so, like, that's, like, the, like, middle of the third act of the movie. And then she returns to Cabrini Green. Because she returns to Cabrini Green. Yeah, Cabrini Green. Because Candyman wants her to come in exchange for the baby. Yeah, she had a vision of Anthony there and alive. Or like a hallucination or whatever. And so she agrees to, um, I guess, like let Candyman kill her or whatever. In exchange for the baby. Yeah. And so uh, he does it in like one of the most like wild ass ways. Like there are bees just attack her. And they're, like, all, like, like underneath, like, um, Cayman's coat is, like, he's just, like, an exposed, like, corpse, basically. Yeah, like you see his ribs cage and his, like, guts. Yeah, and, like, on top of, of that, though, is, like, a, a layer of bees. And there are bees in Tony Todd's mouth. Actual bees. Yeah, he did that stunt himself. He only got stunned a few times, though. Surprising. Which is really... Well, they're, they're like, baby... Like, like quote unquote baby bees, so they didn't have like a fully developed stinger, or they couldn't sting you at that point. Yeah, but there were a couple that were more along on the on the age chart. Yeah, it's really like a terrifying image, by the way. Yeah, like you see these bees in his mouth, and they're just crawling in there. Like, yeah, you know, I love bees, and I love what they do for like you know the environment and shit. But like, I don't like them near me, and like, I just. I hate anything buzzing. Like, the sound of a fly or a bee near my ear just, like, makes me, like, just, like, like, just, like, I don't know, how would you say, just, like... Cringe? Cringe and, like, curl up and just, like, uh, just wanting to run away kind of thing. And just to hear, like, that really intense buzzing and just seeing the bees on Tony Todd is just very off-putting. And he's a braver man than any of us could mm-hmm. ever be because he does that. He does that stuff for us, for our entertainment. What a man. I know. So, essentially, from there, a chase scene happens, right? Sort of. Sort of. Um, and then, so, like, the the residents of Cabrini Green are building this huge, like, um... Trash. Trash fire heap, because they're having like, a big fire or something later that, like, later in the month, and, like, they just keep adding stuff, like, throughout the month, like, while Helen's institutionalized. And so, Helen wakes up at night when, like, they're about to light the bonfire and she sees Anthony's out there and so she goes and uh tries to get Anthony out of the fire like as like they start lighting it um and she attacks uh a candy man who tries to keep both her both 
Anthony and Helen in the fire, so they all die together. If I'm not mistaken, the fire is like a like a ceremony against Candyman. Yes. Like specifically, they're doing uh. It's like a. Let me see. Let's see. Uh. Jeez. We should really know this part. <laughs> It, it, the movie kind of gets a little weird in the end. Yeah, it's a little strange, but I, I dig it. Yeah. She basically, Helen basically saves Anthony in the bonfire as the people light it on fire. But yeah. in the process, this fire kills Candyman. It's like a big ritual, so to speak, right? Yeah. Sorry, we're not, we're not giving the best uh, description there, but. Watch the movie, you'll see. Yeah. Um, but Helen dies because of... Burns. Or because she fulfilled the deal with Candyman. Trevor was saved. She dies. Anthony was saved. Yes. Anthony was saved. Anthony the baby. Sorry, not Trevor. Trevor, we'll get to him in a minute. Um, and then they have a funeral for Helen with, like, this, like, big, like, flower crown kind of thing because all her hair burned off and whatever. And there's only a few people there. Yeah. There's, um... It's Trevor... His girlfriend, for some reason. Which is really disrespectful. And Purcell. And, and, the, like, and the priest. And the priest, basically. But then, all the residents of Caprini Green come to pay their respects because she got rid of Candyman. And then they throw his hook in, uh, into her grave. Just nonchalantly, like, like they throw it like dirt. Yeah. After, after the funeral, we come back to Trevor in the apartment. And he's, like, real fucked up. He's, like, grieving Helen. While his uh, girlfriend is just trying to make him feel better, I guess. I was just being kind of bratty about it. Like, I mean, like, I get that, like, Trevor and her are quote-unquote in love, but, like... Her... His actual wife just died. died and maybe killed a bunch of people and was maybe not the person he thought she was. And then Stacy's over here complaining about, like, making dinner. And, like, she's doing that thing that, like... Like kids do and like teenagers do and maybe some adults do like like when they're not mad, so to speak, but like they're they'll slam the fridge door and they'll just kinda of throw things around and like make a lot of noise but but not saying like, Hey, I'm mad kind of thing. Like a baby tantrum. Yeah, yeah. Meanwhile so, sorry, side note. Um, they just had meat in the fridge, just open, uncovered. I get you're going to cook it, but that's gross. It's very gross. Sorry. The little things. Yes. Um, but in the meantime, Trevor's in the bathroom. He's going through it. He starts crying. He looks in the mirror and he starts saying, Helen. And inadvertently, he says Helen in the mirror five times. And when he says Helen, at the fifth time, she appears behind him with her hair burned in a ghostly manner. And then she and then she does what Candyman does. Yep. Splits him from growing to gullet. So much so that Stacy comes into the bathroom and she discovers him dead in a graphic manner. Yep. And that's how the movie ends. It's her screaming on his dead body. Well, no. It actually ends on a shot of where uh, Candyman's portrait was. Is now a portrait of Helen. Yes. On fire. Pardon me. Yes. Seemingly becoming the new Candyman. Yeah. Or the Candy Woman. So yeah, that's Candyman. I highly recommend you watching it. Of course. And even if you don't watch it right now, and for and like we get a hard date for the next Candyman, the new one. Watch it before that. Watch one. before that because one, you'll need it. The sequel. Yes. And two, it's just a fantastic movie. Definitely is. Highly recommend it. Mm. One of the more underrated horror movies, if you ask me. I think so. Yeah. Well, like, I was very surprised um, to find out that they were doing a like sequel to it. Yes. And for the record, so I'll point this out, Jordan Peele is not directing this new one. No, it's Nia DaCosta? Yes, it is. Nia DaCosta is directing this movie. People need to stop attributing it to Jordan Peele. He's yeah. producing it. It's just attached to his production company. Yes. But we gotta give credit to credit due. Female black director is directing that movie. Yes. And just by the trailer alone, huh? Watch that in 4K. It is... Fantastic. Fantastic. It looks fantastic. And Tony Todd's in it. Yes. Tony Todd will be reprising the role of Candyman. And Yaya Abdul-Mateen's in it. Mr. Uh, Dr. Uh, Dr. Dr. Manhattan, Manhattan himself. That's a spoiler. If you haven't seen the show. Sorry. Yeah. 
But it's been a year. It's fine. Yeah. Uh, if you haven't watched Watchmen on uh, HBO, you should watch that. Also good. Fantastic. Maybe that can be a, a good one. Maybe. We'll do three and three and three. Mm-hmm. Nine episode show. Maybe we'll touch on it sooner or later. We could do the movie and then three and three and three. Maybe. Yeah. That movie is... Mm. <laughs> I never watched it. You read the comic. You watched the movie. Yeah, that's fair. Yeah. All right. So that was Candyman. Yeah. So give us your thoughts and feedback. You know, I'm sure everyone's looking for more things to listen to now. So if you want to give us, you know, our recommendation. Yes. Uh, review us on iTunes when we go on there. Yeah. Apparently that's going to help. Uh, rate and re- review? It's not like and subscribe. That's YouTube. Like, comment, and subscribe. Yes. <laughs> yes that's, that's YouTube. <laughs> I mean, we can put it on YouTube. No. You don't want to do that? No. Yeah, YouTube's kind of like a right-wing breeding ground these days. I don't want to be anywhere near that. That's fair. I like YouTube, but that's fair. I know. But yeah, uh, we would really appreciate your uh, reviews. Or just recommend us to people. Follow us on Instagram. Yeah. At CineTalk with Kevin and Sarah. Yep. We might want to shorten that. I thought CinePod at CinePod. We'll put it in the description. Yes. Don't listen to us right now. Yes, we're um, still working the kinks out. Yes. Um, and then tell us what you think if you watched Candyman before. Yes. Give us T- your thoughts, your your theories. Talk to us. Yeah. Reach out. Social media. We'll put it in the description. Yes. Until then, this has been CineTalk. I'm Sarah. And I'm Kevin. Thank you again. Happy to be back. Yes. Later, guys. Bye.